If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. BitcoinProsperityPodcast.com Welcome to the Bitcoin Prosperity Podcast with your host Gordon, that's me, and Ferris from CoinCompass.com, enabling you to safely buy and securely store your Bitcoins. All resources are in the show notes and description, including our full disclaimer. Visit BitcoinProsperityPodcast.com to subscribe and discover other free content. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another Bitcoin Prosperity Podcast. We are doing a roundup of Bitcoin and markets. Thank you for joining us. It is April the 13th, and today, let's start off with, obviously, what's still going on in the world. We've got this um, global pandemic, so I am not going to go into detail of... um, the virus because simply I am not a biomolecular scientist on any level and I just recommend everyone just yeah look after yourselves look after your family um, a good website to go to is peakprosperity.com not affiliated with us um, my sympathies and empathies go out to the people that have been affected by this and my respect and admiration to everyone and healthcare workers and at the risk of just sounding um, disconnected, we're not. Um, our role here is just to talk about Bitcoin and markets, and we are very fortunate to be able to still be doing so, considering what a lot of people are going through. Um, so with that in mind, um, big picture is economically, the wheels unfortunately have stopped spinning um, since 2000 and 2008. Central bank policies, especially in the US, China, European countries, has been to essentially try to get the economies moving by um, providing cheap credit. So in essence, we wanted to stimulate the economy not through growth, not through organic growth, but by giving people cheap money to buy things. So it's literally the hamster in the wheel and that wheel has stopped spinning and hamster's got nowhere to go. This has been the worst possible scenario for central bank policies a system that was encouraging people to go out and spend, people literally cannot go out to spend. So I don't see how this is going to get any better. And we'll talk about this in more detail later. Slide three. We're going to whip around the markets. First one I want to look at is a Wilshire 4,500. So it's called a Wilshire 4,500 because it's the um, aggregate of 4,500 listed companies in the world um, globally. It used to be called the Wilshire 5000, but it's, you know, knocked off 10% because they found they didn't have 5000 companies to put in there. Um, essentially, we've had fewer and fewer companies getting listed. Part of that is essentially, um, monopolies taking over and buying out smaller companies, Amazon, for example. So if we look at a chart of 4500 Wilshire, so, if you look at the orange, um, line at the very top there, um, that's sitting at 1626, so that was a high that we reached in late 2018. We took another year to get to that point, but we didn't actually reach that point. We got just below it. And then what we've seen is we've now hit lower lows. So we had the late 2018 correction, and then we've had another bigger correction that went even further. Now, this week is going to be the telltale sign for markets. So if you look at this, you can see we've, we're hitting this green dotted line, which was the around about the bottom of the um, 2018. 
and then that's where it rebounded from that point. This is a monthly chart that we're looking at. So each candle represents a month. So we then went up, but we didn't hit all time highs again. So if we continue to go up from here, then yes, potentially we'd be looking at revisiting these highs. I, I really see a struggle to break through. Unfortunately, the most likely scenario is we retest these lows at 850. We didn't quite get there recently. We got very close. If we break 850, then we're looking at revisiting 525. So you're talking from 1200 to 525. That is more than 50% drop globally on global markets. Um, and this isn't just a case with this Wushar 4500. The other ones we wanted to look at were, we'll go to US, the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ. So the S&P 500, same thing. Um, we reached highs of 3,400. We've retested lower lows again. So if we look here, um, this is echoing what we were just looking at before. So we breached the lows of 2018 and we've gone even lower to 2,200. The next level of support, if you're, if you're a swing trader, is all the way down here at 1800. If we break 1800, we go through that, we are going all the way down to, I believe, this green dotted line here of 1100. So you're talking from 3400 down to 1100. Now, you might think that's impossible. However, if we zoom out a little bit, and if we go to, 22,000. This was a dot-com um, top. And when the dot-com top corrected, it went down to this green dotted line here of 800. So from 1,500, 50% correction pretty much down to below 800. Those lows in 2003, we went lower in 2008. So when we think that, oh no, we can't possibly revisit these lows, well, we've done that before and gotten lower. So technically, there's no reason we can't even re we revisit the 2008 lows. 2009 lows, yeah, um, apologies. So that's what we're looking at. And this run has just been monumental. Um, and this is in all global markets. It's just a roller coaster. And, you know, they say you can't fight gravity. So the NASDAQ is even, well, worse if you want to look at it that way. And we've posted this before. So if you take the highs of the dot-com bubble that was in you know 2000, it took 15 years to regain those highs, 15 years to get back to those highs. And in the period, we had a global financial crisis. So there's no reason we can retest below 5,000 from where we are today. So that is, again, a 50% um, correction as to where we are. The DAX is another one looking at. So this is in Germany. So what's actually benefiting the DAX is the euro has been dropping. And that benefits in indices because their earnings in the future are basically coming strong because it's a, a currency um it's a currency swap there. Um, they haven't sold more products, but because their currency is cheaper when they sell those products and bring their profits home from overseas, it just adds to their um, balance sheet. 
So the DAX is at another critical level as well. This green dotted line above 8,000. We break that. The next level that we're going to test is 5,000. So again, we're looking at 50% levels from where we are today if we break this green dotted line here of 8,000. Now, lastly is a Nikkei as an indice. Nikkei is in Japan and very similar. I don't trade the Nikkei, it's just incredibly volatile. Um, but yeah, similar things here. So we've got a level of support at 1500. It is currently just below um, 20,000. So 25% drop potentially to 1500. Below that, you are looking significantly lower. Um, what the Nikkei's got going for it, technically, is that it hasn't had that exuberance that we've seen in European and American indices. You can see this is kind of been in a range for a while. It hasn't just skyrocketed like the other indices we were looking at. All right, the US dollar. So the US dollar was in this upward channel from late 2018 all the way to late 2019. It broke through that upward channel, but broke above it. So that is incredible, incredible volatility for basically the world reserve currency. And we are at this point where Intellectually, people are arguing that the dollar is going to go higher because commodities are based on the dollar. There's a global U.S. dollar shortage. Uh, at times like these, it's a flight to safety. Um, and there are people who are saying that, no, it's the end of the global reserve currency. And we're seeing the end of the petrodollar. So like all other currencies before it, the pound, um, the Portuguese and Spanish real, all global reserve currencies eventually come to an end. So again, very important times. Is this the beginning or the, not the beginning, sorry. Is this the end of the US dollar or are we going to see one more squeeze higher? And these next few weeks are telltale signs. Oil. So this is very interesting for oil. So the blue line on this big chart here is a monthly chart. Blue line is where we're at. Um, the last time oil was this low was 2002, almost 20 years ago. Um, that's incredible. And the orange line at $20 is your next level of support. And there's talk of $10 oil. Now, the reason they're talking $10 oil was that's the lows it got in 1999, 98, sorry. Um, and it's a big round number. That's why they're using $10 oil. Um, I would see that as a pretty good buying opportunity at $10, just on a speculative speculative um, position. Um, but yeah, this does not bode well for global economies. When oil is down, it's basically saying people aren't traveling, people aren't spending, because it's not just in airplane fuel and car fuels that you have oil. It's in everything. It's in your plastic bags. It's in your products. It's everywhere. It's still such a key part of a global economy. Um, electric cars will not bring an end to oil. It's everywhere. So, yeah, when you look at this chart of oil, we had this breakout of this wedge in 2011, 2015, and it just dropped. Again, lost 50%. And this is in a time the central banks are saying we're in a global economic recovery. That does not look like a global economic recovery. Global economic recovery implies we need oil. To create products, we need oil to ship those products. We need oil for cars to transport those products. That does not look like a global economic recovery to me, just looking at the price of oil. Do you want to learn how to safely buy and securely store your Bitcoins? 
CoinCompass.com is running a free two-hour webinar on Sunday, 31st of May. To register and for more details, visit CoinCompass.com forward slash webinar. So the Fed balance sheet, so in essence, this is federal debt. So this is a U.S. Fed balance sheet. So you can see here in um, 2008, they basically doubled um, in two months. They doubled what they um, were buying. So the Federal Reserve was buying assets to basically, you know, prevent the world from collapsing. That has grown up, not gone up nonstop since. And we've just seen overnight, um, well, in two weeks, no apologies, it'd be three weeks. We've gone, we've doubled again. So not doubled again, but almost doubled again from $4 trillion to $6 trillion. So the Fed is just throwing more and more money at this problem. And as we alluded to earlier, they're hoping that debt is a solution to more debt, um, which anyone who knows what Einstein said, the definition of insanity is trying the same things and expecting different results. Right, I want to focus on the USA. So... I want to look, this is an annual chart of the S&P 500. So an annual meaning that every bar you're looking at is reflecting one year. So each candle here is a year. And this template that I'm putting over is a tone, I call it the tone vase indicator. So this, anyone who follows Bitcoin would actually know who tone vase is. He was a former um, vice president at JP Morgan and really just follows Bitcoin, but has been very... Um, uh, yeah, has made some very good calls, not just with Bitcoin, but with the stock market. And I haven't seen him for a while, but he, we're looking at, uh, he follows these nine indicators based on the Tom DeMarc indicators, but he's, um, tweeted them himself. And we're looking at a global nine, which is a, a reversal candle essentially, or a pause. So this basically is saying that, yep, we've reached a point of exuberance. We are looking for this to trend sideways or to go lower, if it goes higher, it's going higher for another nine count. So what this is saying is essentially you see that sign, you're going, okay, just go to cash, wait to see what happens. Are we going higher, sideways or lower? This is a point where it says we've run out of steam, slow it down. And as you can see, it's not completely accurate. We've got two nines back here and they're already beginning a new bull run. So if we see this again, we have a green two, green two here that's basically saying it get back into this market and then we had this pause here but this is a huge run up eight so if we get a black if this year finishes in black nine we are looking at potentially a four year down count so four year of um just the market's going down potentially but all this is saying is best thing to do right now is not to trade so bonds so this is a three-year chart on bonds. So this is yield. So if the yield is going down, the coupon is going down, it means that bond prices themselves are going up. So as you can see, this yield is going down and means bond prices are going up. This is a 30-year bond yield. So the interest went from 3.5%. So if you bought bonds at 3.5%, you're now earning 1.3%. And I mean, that just completely dropped. Now, if we zoom out, so what this means is there's a demand for bonds. If people are buying bonds, it's seen as a safe haven, non-risky assets. 
So it doesn't bode well for the economy when bonds are in demand. If we zoom out, I'm actually going to change this to an, a yearly chart. So this was a weekly. Let's go to a yearly chart. Oh, apologies. We'll make it monthly. So this is the chart we're just looking at, but monthly. And this goes back from 1988. And you can just see this downward channel in bonds. So essentially what happened was in the 70s, we had inflation. And then we had Paul Volcker tack deliberately tackling inflation. Baby boomers remember putting money in the bank and getting 15, 17% interest. This means that interest rate has been going down. So the interest rate went down from 10% and we even dropped below 1% on the US 30 year. So people are saying, you know, can't possibly get any lower. Well, it can. And if you look at the end of this channel, it's hitting zero. Not only have we hit zero in Europe, we've hit negative in Europe. We've gone below zero, which is absurd. You're giving the government your money and they're going to give you back less. And that's, yeah. All right. So safe haven assets. We've just talked about um, bonds. So let's look at gold now. Gold was in this, you see this big blue box here. Gold was basically in a really long seven-year trend going sideways. Now, that is a huge base. And what happens here is if it breaks out of the base or breaks below the base, that is going to be a long-term trend. So this base, the longer it is, the bigger the breakout or breakdown. So this base is basically saying we don't know if gold is going to go above 1400 or if it's going to go below 1050. And that was the range for seven years. So traders in gold basically just kind of up, up and down, not knowing where it's going to go. Well, we've broken out well and truly. We came back and normally what you do, you'd do is you'd see this break out of the base. You'd want it to come back and test the top of this base, 1400. And quite a few people were expecting it to come back and test 1400. We didn't get that low. We got to 1440 twice. So, yeah, very bullish for gold. And if you're bullish for gold, you're basically saying you do not have trust in central banks and global economic policies. Um, and if you look back here at this um, area here of 2008 to 2009, you're essentially seeing a similar, um, similar thing. I'll just highlight this area. So here we had gold trending down and that was only for about a year or two years it sold off and that was the last financial crisis and gold just skyrocketed to 1900 so we've now had this whole holding period where gold's basically gone sideways so i i am expecting gold to break all-time highs U.S. dollar, we mentioned already. Uh, the Japanese yen and euro, we're not going to go into in detail. That is part of the U.S. the DXY that we looked at before. So let's move on to Bitcoin. Oh, no, before we do, sorry, I do want to go back. There was a chart here from Peter Brandt. So Peter Brandt, I saw this tweet and I was very tempted to trade off this tweet alone, which obviously is not proper due diligence. If I'm going to trade, I want to do so under my own initiative, under my own analysis. Peter Brandt, 
I respect very, very much as a trader, uh, probably more so than anyone else out there at the moment. And he basically tweeted that we are looking at a potential head and shoulders in the SP 500. And on Friday, he actually went short. And I think well, with the news that's come out over the weekend of April 14, 15 weekend, we are potentially looking at a gap down in markets as we open this morning on the 16th, which means his shorts paid off. So, yeah, he, so we've got these reasons to basically think, yeah, indices have topped here and we are looking at a rollover. All right, on to Bitcoin. How does Bitcoin fit into all of this? So we believe that Bitcoin is a safe haven asset, but it doesn't matter what we believe. It's what the market believes. And the market, it, it was not treating Bitcoin like a safe haven asset because Bitcoin was basically being correlated to what the S&P 500 was doing. And I'll give you an example. And we have spoken about this before. If we want to compare the price of Bitcoin to the S&P 500, All right, so the SP 500, I'll make it this line here. All right, so, and you can see, look at that correlation. As the SP 500 went up, sorry, as Bitcoin went up, the SP 500 followed. So, if anything, Bitcoin has actually been an indicator to the SP 500. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong thing here. Can you just scrap what I just said, guys? That is the moving average, which I will hide. There it is. Okay. Um, yeah, so this actually, if you look at this, the orange line here is the S&P 500. And there is a very strong correlation there between the S&P 500 and Bitcoin. And if the S&P 500 starts to roll over, you expect Bitcoin to do the same based on these correlations. All correlations will break at some point, but Bitcoin has been trading like a speculative investment, not like a safe haven asset. So that correlation um, since 2017 is quite striking. And it makes me pretty nervous actually for the price for Bitcoin. So. Where are we now? Um, I actually, a week ago when Bitcoin broke above 7,200, was expecting it to go higher. And I just personally believe 7,200 at this stage is a key level. So 7,200 for Bitcoin, I think is a key level. I think we need to really just convincingly break above 7,200 here. I, I want to say hold above that. Really just hold above 7,200 to see Bitcoin start moving up. 
if we roll over here, then potentially we're revisiting these lows of 3,100. If we break 3,100, guys, we are looking back at around 1,800. So these next week to two, two weeks or 30 days are vital, not just for Bitcoin, but for all global markets. Are we going, are we heading lower or like in the past, is this liquidity, just money printing by federal governments essentially going to work? When I say work, increase asset prices. It hasn't really helped the middle class. Um, we've seen a decimation of the middle class. So are we going to see asset prices increase in value or are they going to continue to go down? So this week, especially, I think will be very, very indicative of what's going to happen. So, yeah, are we looking at the end of exuberance? We've got on a yearly um, chart. We've got the SP 500 at the nine indicator. Peter Brandt, we saw where he was. The Fed balance sheet just printing money. So at this stage, we are just waiting for something to happen. And um, the only thing we can do is look after yourselves, look after your health, look after your loved ones. Um, and with Bitcoin, I know you want me to go into more detail here, but I, yeah, I'm apprehensive about the price of Bitcoin. I cannot be more excited about the macro fundamentals for Bitcoin. When you look at money printing, um, central banks basically doing whatever the hell they want and getting away with it. The economic backdrop for Bitcoin, the fundamental backdrop for Bitcoin cannot be more promising for Bitcoin. However, as I said, it does not matter what I believe. It only matters what the markets believe. So, and yeah, we've got this, you know, decent downtrend here for Bitcoin as well. This downtrend line that I've just done in green. So I am very positive about Bitcoin. I do believe in Bitcoin. I am a firm believer. There's potential more upside. If we hit this trend line, though, we could go lower. And that trend line's at 9,500. So there's still a lot of overhead resistance for Bitcoin. I don't see everyday investors rushing out to buy Bitcoin when they're losing work. They can't leave their homes. Um, people are, yeah, unemployment rate is skyrocketing. So we are in dire times, very dire times. Um, and unfortunately, what we only thing we need to do, from my understanding, is lock down economies, stop this virus from spreading. So, yeah, um, that is our Bitcoin and markets roundup is just waiting right now. If you are an investor, if you are a trader, cash is a place to be. Um, you would want to hold long term things like gold. Um, Bitcoin, I still believe, holding long term. Maybe you might get a cheaper price to get into Bitcoin. Maybe not. So, as you know, our opinion here at um, Coin Compass is essentially just um, dollar cost averaging, which basically means you just buy what you're willing to lose and don't focus too much on the price, but just get in. So, thank you, everyone, and please listen to our disclaimer. This is not financial advice; these are just opinions, and we really appreciate you listening in. And um, please be safe. Thanks for watching or listening. Please visit coincompass.com slash free to register to our socials and discover other free content. Subscribing, liking, and following helps this content remain ad-free. Until next time.